2: Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Tony Evans of the Evening Standard and Jonathan Northcroft of the Sunday Times. We'll start with Liverpool, where Jurgen Klopp's first year as manager has been celebrated like the second coming. It's all been a bit one direction.
1: Has he lived up to the hype, Tony? Uh, Well, no-one could live up to the hype. You know, it got as much coverage as 20 years of anger. You know, it's like... uh, I was a little bit surprised, but, you know, uh, uh, let's face it, he's been elevated to Godhead without any real evidence. They're on a good run, they're moving in the right direction. But, I mean, really, come on, you know, Mm. let's have a bit of perspective
2: here. Mm. So that's the emotional, John, let's dwell on the practical. You've looked very hard at the way that Klopp prepares, fantastic emphasis on fitness, three-a-days. Give an insight into the way he's preparing his team.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, fitness is a big part of, of what Jurgen Klopp does, obviously, to play his pressing game, to play his high-energy sort of football. Um, players have to be extremely lean, and they have to work as a, as a collective. But what's interesting to me is, Exactly. And this guy, he's got a sports science degree, so he presumably knows what he's doing. Not a lot but of modern managers,
2: actually. Yeah, I mean,
3: it, it is now, there's a, there's a sort of change now. I think there's a lot more science coming into it, and if, if they don't have degrees themselves, they have someone in the in the staff that does. And it's it's a level that he's taking it to, and it's also the kind of mental side of it where I think he's getting players to sort of push through what they normally would have considered tiredness. So I, I was looking at what he did in pre-season, um, when they were away in Palo Alto in, in California, 30 degree heat, you know, he had them working triple sessions. I don't even know how you get get through a triple session, really. And uh, you know, one of the witnesses I, I spoke to said, you know, you, you have players lying on the on the turf, sort of choking back vomit, wheezing, and and clocks going around, sort of getting them to to get up for the the next set. And rather worryingly, for Liverpool players, he's saying to them, "You're not even half as fit as Borussia Dortmund were." Now, the the, the, the the proof for me, and you can see how incredibly fit they are mm. and how, how big a part of their game that is, the proof for me will be whether it lasts the entire yes, season. That's, that's
1: it. Can I sustain it? Well, you look at Tottenham last year, where they were doing two a days up until um, up until February, mm. and they ran out of steam uh, and they were mentally and physically uh, worn by the time the end of the season come. And you've got to be careful, you know, you've got to balance it right. Now, you'd think with Klopp's sports science background then, you know, he, he knows what he's doing, but the, the proof will be in the pudding. And what, one of the problems is, as well as they're doing now, and the front four, front five, uh, they're doing superb, they're playing a high press, they're nicking the ball, the problem is if people get behind that. At the moment, the midfield and the defence aren't good enough
3: this is what hasn't changed about liverpool is that mm. through successive managers brendan rodgers was exactly the same there's mm. nothing wrong with at his peak the way they were attacking but it was 50 goals a season they were conceding mm. now that's the question isn't it with, with this club liverpool we can see how they can overwhelm teams with the ball but even in the arsenal game where they were the better side they conceded three goals well
1: you know in the in the first half as well you know arsenal runs up yeah and uh, the thing is there's a no great deal of balance about them you look at you know you look at City as well there's no balance with them and um mm. compare them to Tottenham who have an incredibly balanced side yeah,
2: yeah.
3: That, that's the thing these three teams at the top are actually quite similar in their ideologies when you look oh. at it is intensity it's fitness it's trying to play mm. football at a very very high speed they've all just got slightly different emphasis mm. I'd say Tottenham are more defensive mm. orientated whereas
2: Liverpool trying to overwhelm and, and you know City are somewhere in the middle a bit more mm. structured what, what about the human factor here because you know, great managers are judged by individual impact on players. So if you look at Klopp, Lalana's improved out of all recognition. Yeah. And what about Henderson? You know, here we're talking about people saying, well, this could be another England captain now. And people were basically dismissing him Three months ago.
1: Yeah, he's had a difficult time, Anderson. I mean, you know, uh, Rogers didn't particularly fancy him, didn't want him, and then he ended up a uh, regular in the team. Uh, and people uh, argued that had he not got sent off against Man City in 2014, mm. they might have won the league. Um, the, the ownership at Liverpool don't fancy him at all. They, you know, <laughs> they get rid of him if they, if they had the chance. Yeah, he's always done a reasonable job. I think one of the problems he had is there was a perception I was brought in, brought in to replace Stephen Gerrard, mm. and, and he wasn't. You know, there was a recognition that you need a platoon of people to do that and um he, he's you know he, he was always a bit he was a, always a bit callow a bit nervous now he's developed you know he's very vocal on the pitch you know b- b- perhaps too vocal sometimes it doesn't ring true mm-hmm. you know he looks as like if he's trying too hard but you know he's always had a lot of ability when he first moved to Liverpool I talked to people at Sunderland he said don't worry he'll grow up he'll be alright and uh, you know it's, it's, it's taken a long time for him to grow up really but I think he suits Klopp's style of play and I think he's perfect yeah. for that I
3: mean he's technically very good I remember watching him doing a training drill with England um, back in year 2012 and what struck me was the quality of his touch first time I hadn't actually mm. seen that in a Liverpool show yeah. because I think he'd been a little bit uh, cowed initially by, yeah, by trying, to, trying so. to wear that jersey but mm. Watching him technically, that, that, that kind of changed my mind about him a little bit. And he has grown up this season. Mm. Um, I think, I think when, he, when Klopp arrived, he felt a, a kind of burden as the captain to try and... Because mm. he was injured, remember, when Klopp yeah. arrived. And I think he felt a burden when he came back to try and justify his status. And he had a foot injury at the time. Mm. And having come through that and kind of won the battle with Emre Shan to be that sort of centre midfield uh, kind of linchpin for, for, for Klopp, I think that's done a lot for him.
2: And now he looks a lot more comfortable in his in his own skin. Mm. Yeah. Well, what about Daniel Sturridge?
1: You know, regular goalscorer, but there's always a but with the, him, isn't there? You know, <laughs> probably the purest goal scorer, scoring talent in the Premier League, but unless he's physically and mentally perfect, it's mm. a struggle for him. And I think that's you know I think that's still going to blow up. He was he was the golden boy at the club. The ownership loved him. I mean, Rodgers couldn't force him to do anything, you know, to, he, he made the rules, um, and, and to be fair, the Liverpool's uh, medical staff, let's be kind about this, got his injury wrong, and told him his injury wasn't as bad as it was, so let's be fair to him, but, uh, so he kind of, he plays when he wanted to, Klopp is the new golden boy. God, they love him in Boston, and and now he makes the rules so st- difficult for Sturridge. If he says Sturridge play, Sturridge has to play, and that that could that could blow up at some point very soon.
3: Yeah, but I, I like Klopp's man management of Sturridge. I have to say because I think he was probably indulged a little bit too much. Oh, and very much so. Yeah. You know, yeah, he he, he, he was he was allowed, I think, to use his own physios and, and you use the guys in Boston when he wasn't using the ones that, in Liverpool and, and Klopp's come in and, and he's just re- he's reduced his status to that of every mm. other player a bit like maybe Mourinho's done at, at United to, to Rooney now he's just another player that has to prove his fitness and mm. if he's playing well and he's fit he'll play but if he doesn't he, he's on the bench and what I notice is there's not even a debate
2: about it anymore when he gets no, left no out mm. and that's a wake-up call to any player mm. yeah. Next Monday, Tony you know, one of the great Tribal collisions of the season. Liverpool and oh, the United. festival of hate. The festival of <laughs> hate. When when you approach that game, does it help that Klopp is such an overtly Im- emotional manager? Does he respond to the vibe of that match?
1: Well, I, I think it can be a negative. I mean, one of one of my big downers on Klopp was uh, in Basel uh, when they went three one down. He turned and tried to rouse the crowd. Stop it! Concentrate on the pitch. Focus. The emotions are great to a certain extent, but when you're managing in games like that, you've got to get a clear head about you. Remember uh, Stephen come on as a substitute mm-hmm. and get himself sent off in a minute. That's what emotions yeah. does you in this game. You know what? It's, it's all right for the fans to have emotions. Just get on and win it. Yeah, I agree, with, I agree about Baswell. That, that was
3: the one time I, I had a little bit of a doubt about this, this sort of style that he's got. But he did, he did harness the emotion quite well in the Europa League uh, tie against United. I mean, United would, would just so much overwhelmed at Anfield mm. in that game and that, 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 that sort of killed mm. the tie so the, I guess if you can do it the right way but while retaining that, that kind of clear thinking that, yeah. Yeah, that, that's what he's got to 20 yeah. for.
2: When you talk about doubts it's probably the first time for quite a while that people are expressing doubts about Jose Mourinho, yeah. he'll love this fixture will
3: I'm not sure because I, I don't think he's got a team, I don't think he's got the right team at the moment and, and that we'll know that and that must be in his mind. He's already been humbled in the Manchester derby, and I, when I look at him at United, I see someone that's, that's that's trying to, you know, move something from a long way away from where he needs it to be, right all the way over
1: there. Well, what's what's really shocking is I thought he'd go in there and at least organise them better, mm. and at least get some uh, snap into the play, move the ball forward quickly. But they still look like a van Halen team, and and he, he looks like a man who doesn't know where to go with it. I think it's.
3: If you look at his signings, he signed four players, all incredible athletes. I know his Latan's old, but mm-hmm.
2: you know, some athlete for his age. Yeah.
3: He obviously wants athletes. And he made a
2: virtue of saying, "I know the four players I want. Yeah. He's got them. No yeah. excuses."
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, he talked he, he talked his team up a little bit too much at that point because those four players alone aren't going to be enough to bring Man United from from the depths they've been in the last couple of seasons under Van Gaal. Um, they just, you know, we've been talking about Liverpool, City, and and, and Spurs and the fast paced. Yeah. Super fit football they're playing. Well, Man United just look like from a different era at the moment. A bit, bit steady, bit that. studied, yeah, yeah. bit slow, and he he's still got too many slower players in that team, which is Rooney's problem. And,
1: and one, one of the great traits of Mourinho's best teams is the speed with which they yeah. got the ball forward. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they 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 were always people said they were defensive. they weren't. They were structured, but when they got the ball, boom, gone. You? you know, that mm. that diagonal ball into Drogba, then uh, Lampard down the channel. Everyone's charging forward, and yet, you know, you look at United, and it's so pedestrian, it's untrue. Yeah, I mean, I mean
2: in, in that context, we've got to look at Wayne Rooney. We talk about him every week. <laughs> you know, you were at, at Wembley, Jonathan. Looking at that, he reminded me of, like, of an old Labrador whose back legs are going. <laughs> and you know that you're going to have to go down to the vet yeah. soon. It's going to be dreadful. It, it just felt
3: yeah. sad. It, it did, and, and to extend your analogy, maybe you should just be you know sent to the farm in Wales rather than the the, the vets you know <laughs> maybe he needs to ultimately go to a different kind of yeah, well maybe yeah yeah you know just a kind of can't place. resist that can you yeah I, I, you know. it was, it was always on a plate for you wasn't it? but but yeah he, he is in crisis i'd have to say i'm, I'm a big wayne rooney fan i've i've, I've sort of felt that the, the criticism of him for being over the hill started very very early started three or four years ago by people who just basically didn't like him and at that point they were wrong but eventually you're gonna be proved right if you keep saying that. And and I think now we're at the point where he really needs to sort out his his game. What surprised me at Wembley was somebody of his ability couldn't find a pass to unlock Motors' defence. Jordan Henderson could. Yeah. Wayne Rooney couldn't. Now he's the most gifted footballer probably, certainly in terms of vision, in that England team. He's slow, he's older, but he should be able to to break down a defence with a pass. And and he couldn't do it and I don't know what kind of player he's developing into at the moment, and I'm not sure if he does it, He does either. I think he's got the ability to come through this, but Man United aren't going to wait for
1: him to do it. Well, I mean, I, As far as I'm concerned, there's only one position ever to play William Rooney, and that's up front. Play the ball in front of him. Mm-hmm. The one thing that Roy Hodgson did well mm-hmm. is get the ball in front of Rooney yeah. and get him running onto it. Did you play and him and, ten then? Or second striker? Yeah, second striker, basically, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, anywhere else... He just slows the game down mm. and as he drops deeper and deeper, you know, and, and especially if he goes back to goal, it highlights the weakness of his touch. You know, the ball bounces off him. Uh, it, 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 uh, when he when it's played in front of him, it, it's early and if he misses it, it's a virtue, you know, but it's, you know, whether they, fla- they yeah. flew in, you know, some of yeah, those great goals right. yeah. against City, yeah. the, the one off his shin. Yeah. You know, I'd say, uh, you know, I mean, that was no red kick. But the thing is, he had that knacker striker as it is early. Mm. Um, he just, as he drops deeper and deeper, he looks worse and worse. And people raved about him in the Euros going, oh, you mm. know, oh, yeah, he dominated the midfield. The, the stands of the teams he's playing with Sunday League. Mm. What about, if you look at international and
2: club football, there are parallels. Gareth Southgate, like mm. Mourinho, has got a vested interest in investing in young players. Mm-hmm two of the best young players around marcus rashford jesse lingard mm. lingard great movement on his england debut doesn't look a natural finisher no quite a long long way <laughs> certainly didn't and rashford he just dominates any occasion he he, he turns up at yeah he does and he, he, he's he's just got this
3: you know you, you see it you know it when you see it don't you mm. and he's got that ability to just look at home in whatever setting any situation and he he would go in against liverpool with all that that fiction involves and i'm sure he wouldn't play any different to the way he normally plays um i I think i think rooney's big problem is pogba as much as anything else pogba Mm -hmm. needs to charge and charge up into that area pogba's got a great link with with zlatan you you notice that when you watch united that the two of them for whatever reason just seem to be you know
2: able to connect with each other on the pitch but but the thing is about pogba you look at you look at pogba and you know deschamps has been on it in for his form with france yeah He's played something like 74 games in 14 months. Mm-hmm. You know, he started the show talking about fitness. Is he on a bit of a burnout kick at the moment?
1: Well, I, I don't think he's a burnout. I mean, I, I think he's physically, he's you know, he's you know, he's a he's, um, he's magnificent. He's you know, he's he's a pro, almost a prototype Premier League player. You know, gets up yeah. and down and uh, strong and all that. But but in terms of football intelligence. I've rarely seen such a highly rated player who's so, I'll be honest about it, dumb on the pitch. He mm. makes bad decisions. He doesn't use space well. And, you know, this is where I thought Mourinho would, you know, would, would teach him where he's played under good managers before. Mm. And mm-hmm. You know, it's a, yeah, you, you watch him and you think, wow, you could be so good. And yet you, you do mm. the wrong thing so often.
3: I'm, 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 I know what you're talking about. I'm not sure if it's dumbness because I remember him, you know, in that Juventus team. He was he was pretty elusive. He, he used to escape into space up the left. and you, don't, you weren't quite sure where he was. But I do think he's been self-indulgent for United. Some, sometimes his teammates didn't know where he was. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty good for Juventus, but I, 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 I do think I think he's been self-indulgent more than anything. Mm. I think he's refused to or, or hasn't embraced being put in a sort of deeper role with all the defensive responsibilities. His
1: he he's seen him through in many ways. It, it, there's a parallel there with uh, with Steven Gerrard. Yeah, you know, I think that's and, um, yeah. You know, they, they're not they're not thinkers the doers. And um, Ross and, Bartley's another. When, yeah. when you're that good a specimen, mm. it can be quite difficult. Can't but it? you know, it, if you slow down a second and think, the, the potential for improvement in his game is, you know, massive. Mm. You know,
2: we're in international week, and there are parallels. Always, we always go back to club issues. Mm. What about Theo Walcott and Arsenal? He he's almost the sort of symbolic Arsenal player. <laughs> yeah, flatters yeah. to
3: deceive. Yeah, I mean, there's a cup. Yeah, him, Oxley, Chamberlain, a few of that generation that were still waiting to to grow up. It's, in fairness for Arsenal, he he has delivered this year, but he had he had a big uh, anticlimax on Saturday for England. And I've been, you know, I, I I really like him as a guy. I've been reading what he's been telling the lads about you know, being a different person, growing up, being more aggressive, all that sort of stuff. I think it's a bit early for him to be talking about transformation. I think he probably needs to deliver over a longer period because he's had these spells before where he's been really, really good and then he's fallen back. I'd love to see him do
1: it, but I think it's a bit early Uh, to say he's a different player. How many two-week breakout seasons has he had in his career? (laughs) He's had loads. We're 14 on his back. Probably have 14. That's what stands for. Um, He's been very good for Mm. Arsenal. The interesting thing about Arsenal, I think, Uh, the Arsenal side now has got the best balance of any Wenger team since the move to the Emirates uh, really impressed by the balance and he's worked he he works really well in that system Um, are we are we going to see him finally at 27 turn into the player that we were told he was going to be at 16 you suspect not but you know on his day and within that system he can be extremely effective how important for Arsenal Jonathan is it that they get the contract of Ozil
2: And Sanchez sorted out you know they're talking 250,000 pounds a week they're probably gonna have to pay that aren't they yeah but Arsenal are probably the richest club in the in the world Mm. in
3: some measures I mean they've got 180 million pounds sitting in the bank doing nothing Um, I think it would be hugely symbolic if they lost those two players because you know Arsenal signing them was seemed to be a, a sort of shift for Arsenal, that they were going to try and have world class players at the club and it wasn't all going to be about the future and development to then lose them just as they've they've probably hit their peak both of those players are probably at their peak at the moment age wise and everything else uh, for reasons that would be unclear because why would they lose them You know, they, they've got the money to do it so it would only be some accountancy kind of philosophy where we don't pay over a certain amount, I do think that would be
1: hugely symbolic for Arsenal. And, and you know, they, they are Arsenal's two best players. I don't think either of them have been worth it so far. Do you know? but No, no, I think... I mean, they, they, those two players together, they should have won a league, at least one league. And they mm. should be, you know... They, I mean, the, the talent they've got is unbelievable. Mm, but I think yeah. Wenger's got them playing in the right system now. You know, uh, he's, he's got Sanchez playing up front. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's a one-man press. Yeah. You know, he's, yeah. he's fantastic. And he's got Ozil sitting in behind him, where... It, it's a better position, he doesn't have to track mm. back. Um, you know, he, 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 his passing range is limited because he doesn't do the long balls, but the subtlety is... Uh, Incredible. Yeah. yeah, you know, so, yeah. so you know, there's a... And, and he should be able to score more goals there. It puts a lot of pressure on... Um, on, on Welcott and the Wobbe to, yeah. to, to, to yeah. go up and down, but but they they seem to be handling Now, the thing is, what's really interesting... You know, if they do, Wenger's tied the last part of his Arsenal career into those two players, mm. and you know, so obviously, it will be important to see wh- whether they actually pay them the money. But will Wenger be around if they do? Well, that's the question, yeah. isn't it? If you look at the comments of Ivan Gazidis, you know,
2: that had the sound to me of them getting the, the gold plated shovels yeah. out and they're, they're digging a trench. Can, in the modern era, a manager like Arsene Wenger be allowed to dominate a club like Arsenal?
3: Well, I'm conflicted on Arsene Wenger. I'll be honest, I don't think there's any subject that I, I could have changed my mind about more often. And Then I wonder what Arsenal fans must feel. Because I look at the guy and, and, and I think, in some ways, you know... Right, you're right about his status. It's, it's on, I don't think anyone else has got that in the modern game. He's
1: revolutionised he the Premier League. In
3: some ways, I look at him and I think, mm. well, you've earned it. You, know, mm. you, are, that, you are a bit of an anachronism, but you've earned the right. You're like Alex Ferguson. Mm. But in other ways, I look at it and think, but you're not quite, for 13 years, you're not quite achieving what, what the mm. team's capable of. And I, <laughs> I felt a real wave of nostalgia with that 20 years of anger thing. I was looking, looking at, uh, you know, as Tony said, he's, he's revolutionised not just Arsenal, but English football. He's brought so many incredible players. He, he's, he's developed young players into, you know, wonderful careers and all that sort of stuff. Everything you want a manager to do. But we are talking about the past a little bit. I think. I think. The, I think the ultimate answer is he, this season he has to,
1: <laughs> as always, he has to try and win the league or at least be. So close that you think you'd do you go next you, you year. You say, you know, a manager dominating a club. Well, what about Pepchester City and and, 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 <laughs> and Klopp- <laughs> You yeah, I mean, yeah. they won't last 20 years. Yeah. I'm sure they won't last 20 years. But uh, what, what's interesting. Well, the I mean,
2: nature of the modern game is three years max. Isn't yeah, it? yeah.
1: But at a time where clubs are tying the, the two big clubs in, in, uh, in the Premier League are tying their identities to one man so heavily, Arsenal. Begin to distance themselves from Wenger. I thought that was a really interesting I did. comment. Yeah. Um, uh,
2: so, Jonathan, you've literally written the book on the champions, Leicester. Give me an insight into the difference between them this season than last season, the season that you charted.
3: I mean, a, a little bit, I guess a shorthand for how they've, they've changed is I was looking at their last Premier League fixture. They had £23 million worth of talent not even in the matchday squad. You know, Musa and Kaputska didn't even make the matchday squad. Now, £23 million was the value of their entire team last year that won the league mm-hmm. so that tells you how the club's now in a completely different territory to where it, where it was when it was so successful last season and is struggling I guess to, to come to terms of that psychologically I think and, and, and also I think you know just find its place in this year's Premier League. Champions League's the focus for them in terms of this is the next adventure. But what are they going to do in the Premier League? They have lost that sort of, I guess, the underdog identity because of growing as a club. And, you know, they were so tight as a squad last year. Now they've got all these players to, to try and fit in. So it's a challenge. It's, it asks Ranieri to manage in a different way. And I just think they're finding their way at the
1: moment. I think it's really interesting that the two games, league games before the Champions League games, they got stuff for one yeah. twice yeah. and then come out and yeah. played really played well in the Champions yeah. League. And the other thing is, I always remember uh, Steve Nichols saying to me, he says when you win things he said like everything changes you know there's a different set of pressures he said you know everyone's buying yeah, yeah. your drinks everyone's patting you on the back he says in the dressing room where people have won before people hey behave yourself yeah. get your feet on the ground uh leicester's dressing room I have very few people who's won before who who's won with yeah, chelsea yeah. but you know not not been a, no. a main contributor so it, it's it's difficult for them to come to terms with it a little yeah. bit
3: I think uh, and, and on the pitch specifically they have not just lost Cante. you know who's an incredible mm. force to lose but Ranieri's taken Okazaki out of the team because he signed so many mm. forwards those two alone injected so much energy into into yeah. Leicester's game so it, it's a it's a double whammy and Ranieri placed two in midfield but he had last year, I'd say he had, he had Kante who covered two man's ground. He also had Okazaki that dropped back in all yeah. the time. Now he's, just, he's still trying to play two men, but with, with different personnel. And
1: the energy's gone a little bit from the team. And it, it, from what I've seen in them, it seems that Verdi's dropped deeper yeah. to accommodate to and Slomani, 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 yeah. so, um, Which has taken a little bit away from Verdi's game.
3: Yeah, and, and, and Mares isn't as influential because mm. it's not just, it was very simple last year. Counter attacks rooted through Maris finishing with Vardy basically.
2: Yeah,
1: Leicester at Chelsea. Yeah, you look at Chelsea and you wait for the explosion, don't you? Well, without a doubt, <laughs> I think um, I think Conte is looking out, thinking I've been sold a puppy. Um, he he hasn't quite coming to the club he thought he was he's having to accommodate players that he wouldn't naturally buy i mean it uh, what happened there in the summer is sort of a living proof of the old uh, rafa benitez thing at valencia you know I wanted a lamp and he bought me a table you know it's um <laughs> you know he wanted uh Benucci or cialini and it, they, they give him david luis Thanks, mate. You know, it's, uh, it's not even a table, is it? And, you know, no, no. And, it's and a very elaborate um, drawing room table, isn't it? Really? I, I don't think the bottom's out yet. I think there's uh, a way to go, with Chelsea. I think there's a recognition there that they need to buy uh, players that suit Conte. In, in the January window whether they'll be able to get them is another thing we're
2: talking 60 million for Bonucci yeah. is that real realistic in every sense of the word well Benucci's
3: more or less my favorite player in world football actually I I I I'd think the guy is just you know he's a supreme pro and he's a beautiful footballer he reads, he's so intelligent uh, uh, he's got everything I love in a defending He'd be brutal but he can he can play as well um, but he's about 29 and um, 60 million pounds. Um, yeah, I don't think he wants to leave Italy anyway. He's got a family issues there, so yeah. um, it's. I don't think that's that's actually going to come to anything. But the the issue for Conte, we were all talking obviously pre-season about all these great managers in the Premier League, and you know you've got Klopp, you've got Guardiola, you've got Mourinho, and Conte. But he is he is not fighting those other guys with the same resources. That's he doesn't have as good a, a squad as. Uh, cities or, or Uniteds and he hasn't been as embedded as Klopp and, and Klopp's, you know, been able to mould his club. So Conte's the one out of the, those four I think that's it's a bit unfair of him to expect him to almost be their equal at the moment but the pressure will build on him because mm
1: and Abramovich will be expecting it, won't they? Well, yeah, and, and the problem is uh, Abramovich expects, but he'll also... I mean, from from when Mourinho left in uh, 2007 and the, we need to play more entertaining football, Abramovich's will has... Uh, if, if It's not determined the transfer policy, but it's coloured it. And you know it's uh, so he wants entertainers. Uh, you know it's um, he he loves Oscar. He loves Hazard. And you know Conti. You can never imagine Conti playing them two in the same size no. anyway. And you know you at, 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 uh, at, at the Emirates against Chelsea. You know when um, uh, when when Theo Walcott scored. I mean, Hazard was nearer Conte on the sidelines than his man in the area. (laughs) And it was like, you could see the exasperation. You could see, you know, and it's going to be a a difficult dynamic there. Yeah.
2: What about the dynamics of Everton going to Manchester City? You've got two Barcelona Barcelona roommates, Guardiola and Koeman. Give me an idea of what you feel of their contrasting managerial styles. Well, what's interesting is
3: that you know, Pep is a disciple of of Cruyff, and we've been hearing a lot about that last week with with Cruyff's you know memoir being released. Yeah. Kooiman, despite having come through the Barcelona and and obviously the Dutch sort of system, he is not an ideal, ideologue uh, in the way that somebody like Guardiola is. He's actually a very practical football guy. His dad was a pro, very you know very good pro. His, bro- his brother was a, a top player as well. He's steeped in football. He's got that sort of football person's very pragmatic kind of idea that you win the game no matter how. Mm. I talked to him last year about the whole, you know, where do you sit in the Dutch school? Are you are you a, are you a Cruyff? Are you, are you, you know, are you Van Gaal, blah, blah, blah? And he kind of laughed. He sort of thinks that's all a bit, mm. and, and he hears it a lot in Holland, mm. he thinks that's all a bit fluff. So I think what you see with Everton is quite a hard-nosed football team mm. who will do a variety of things to try and win a game. Whereas Guardiola, as we know, has got, his sort of pure ideals, and we'll always stick to them, so
1: that makes the game really fascinating i think well, without a doubt. i mean and, and he he come out of a very different period of Barcelona as yeah, Guardiola, especially when he was coaching there when there was the instability and they were changing managers you know all the time um i i I like him I think he's a very very sharp operator, knows what he's doing, and what he'll do is he'll take he'll take players who probably not of the highest standards and he'll work on them and get the combinations so it suits them well
2: interesting guy has gone in there and absolutely dominated the place hasn't he
1: yeah he's fantastic i mean you know the evertonians have even been making comparisons to alan ball so you know that's uh <sighs> yeah. which is a bit, seems a bit early and a bit extreme to me but there you go um he's been fantastic um and you know the, the pragmatism you know uh, john said that and i think that is Everything you know, sort of about uh, kuman's game, They're so pragmatic, mm. and it will be interesting to see. He, he'll have thought long and hard about how to mm. to take on City and to exploit the space behind their front players and get at those defences. I mean, he's got he's got
3: Lukaku working. Mm. He's, he's got into his head and done the right things there. Uh, Ghana's amazing. I mean, he is he is like the closest thing to Kante. Um and Ross Bartley's his management, Ross Barkley is very interesting. Mm. That shows a very strong manager who is not—he's not afraid to
1: go for sacred cows there, yeah. and, and and that can—I think that can improve mm. improve Ross. Well, Barley. yeah, I mean, you know, and in, in many ways, but Barkley has an easy ride. I mean, Martinez n- never knew what to do. No, he didn't. You no. know, and that, uh, and uh, he's gone in there and gone, you know, <laughs> don't care what people say about your, your big reputation. You, you're not yeah. improving. Yeah, you yeah. For
2: me, what about City? It looks like Aguero's. Another, got a calf injury mm-hmm. this time in training for Argentina they'll miss him if he doesn't play won't they? Yeah, I, I think at Spurs
3: we saw that there's a bit of a drop off at City when, when they don't quite have the top team and, and that is probably still coming to terms with how good or stroke bad other guys in his squad are, you think of your Navas's and um, look at the defence and it's still not you know, I think the fullbacks are, 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 are all, all pretty much past it or, or need replacing. So Spurs obviously offered the, the question marks. Um, we've got a very pragmatic and good manager against them. I think they'll try and probe City's weaknesses. Uh, and Guardiola's still sort of coming to terms. I, I think it could be difficult for them. I think overall they'll be fine, but I think this might be a tough period yeah, for Guardiola. What,
2: what about sorry, Tony? What about Spurs?
1: Are they the real deal? Well, I think they are. I, you know, I've been uh, on the Spurs bandwagon for a year or more. I think they're, they're, they're fantastic. They're improving. There are concerns about them. I mean, you know, whether they'll last the season at the pace they're going, they still uh prone to rushes of blood to the head and there's a lack of leadership there, you know, to, which, you know, uh, you, you saw that against City over the penalty. Yeah. You know, at a the time, they've, they've got a chance to kill the game completely. You know, they're, they're arguing amongst themselves you know, it's a, it wouldn't happen in a team with a, a strong captain, strong personality. There, there's still a bit of, there's still a bit of youthful sort of, uh, you know, in discipline. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and they need to, to curb that. Um, they the they, they are prone to bouts of self-doubt in games, but I do think they're they're heading in the right direction. I think that the main thing for Tottenham is that the. You know whether they win the title or not, and I think they have a good chance of doing that, is they finish in the top four, they, they don't want to be in a situation like they were, uh, you know, sort of a couple of years ago, where you know they get into Champions League, you know, Gareth Bale was fantastic, and then mm. they drop out of it and he moves on. They need to consolidate their position as one of the top teams.
2: We'll end, Jonathan, with the BT Sport game, mm-hmm. uh, West Ham at Crystal Palace. Mm. West Ham have fallen off a cliff, haven't they?
3: They have. Um, I think a lot of that is is down to the new stadium and how that's unsettled them. so the the playing away here. I think that the but
2: uh, it's, but a, should, a seat doesn't you know a yeah. row of seats doesn't play in well, midfield,
3: does it? I tell, you, I tell you what's difficult for them. The Upton Park tight traditional English ground with all that entails. You know they playing on a bigger pitch, so technically it's different for them. I think Billich has them very compact and, and now they're struggling to play that same way on on that bigger pitch. You see. With the Wembley factor affects teams in, in different ways. I think it's a similar situation. I think there's an, an intensity that's been lost. You know, Upton Park used to buy teams, used to buy West Ham points, used to overwhelm teams sometimes. And that's, that's gone. So I think there's a, there's a struggle. But I think they've signed badly as well. I mean, mm. they haven't improved the squad uh, at all. And they've probably signed. Else. I think they've been trying to chase the next Pyatt. And what they've ended up doing is, is taking gambles on four or five
1: players. And that players. begs the question can they keep Pyatt? Well, yeah, uh, I I would suspect the answer to that is no. Um, And there are times, and even last season there were times, when he appears to be playing for himself, Mm -hmm. not the team. Um, I I, I think they've, they've got a real problem there. It's a huge test for Bilic how he, over the next few weeks, how he deals with the team. There's a sense that his way of doing things is stich, as worn thin a little bit with the players they're seeing through it and they're not responding to it and if that's true then he's in deep deep trouble he's got to find a way of galvanizing that team and the the problem is they're very very weak, i like in midfield yeah, there's not a lot true. of peace at all they're getting killed there well west ham seems to be a club at odds with itself
2: that's never a good look thanks for joining us here on the football writers podcast